0: Hello, and welcome back to the Future of Figure Skating podcast. I'm Anna Keller, and my guest today is Jamal Othman, the Managing Director for the Ice Academy of Montreal and Marquee International Arts. Jamal was the 2009 Swiss national champion, and in his post-competitive career, he has combined his interest in international business with his love of skating. In this episode, we talked about marketing and branding, the Olympic cycle, and how ice dance can fit in between sports, art, and entertainment. This is also the first video episode for the future of figure skating, so make sure to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch this conversation and future episodes there. Hope you enjoy. Wonderful, so thank you Jamal so much for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to get to talk to you and to learn a little bit more about your work and the work of the Ice Academy of Montreal. Um, First off, I would love to know more about the founding of um, I am and how that vision came to be, and some of your role in that work.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, thank you very much for having me, Anna. It's a it's a pleasure and an honor. Um, yes. Yeah, so the Ice Academy of Montreal. First, I think to be clear, to explain all that, I have to say that I am was really a rebrand of a school that already existed. Um, we rebranded. Uh, the school that came um, into place when Roma Hagenauer has joined forces with uh, Marie-France and Patrice uh, here in Montreal in 2014. They started to build a school. Um, some skaters obviously were already here that uh, were training with Marie-France and Patrice. Roman brought some skaters from France and um, I think then we all know what happened in 2015 then gabby and guillaume won their first world champion uh ship title and um all that i was really uh just experiencing as a spectator basically because at the time i was uh already uh together with roman of course i lived here as well but i wasn't working um in the in the company yet um so this school, you know, was uh, continuing, working, achieving great results, and it was really then in um, 2019 when I was uh, I was working uh, in the travel industry at the moment. Had a great boss who had become a little bit of my my mentor um, and uh, and a good friend of mine. Um, we were discussing, talking a lot about what Roman does and about. Our passion of figure skating, which uh, I obviously never lost, even uh, even though I quit, um, we were discussing, you know, talking about these things, and and probably over a lot of uh, evenings with maybe a glass of wine or two, <laughs> we were thinking, well, there is more to that than just the medals that they win, and um, we basically, you know, were discussing and talking about what what potential this this. Uh, this group of, of, of coaches which it was at the time uh, could could potentially have. Um, we then really came up with a, you know with a, with a vision and the strategy for, for a company, presented that uh, to the head coaches and uh, and then we went from there. Um, that's really how how the ICE Academy of Montreal was born in the very beginning in, in 2019, it was just a rebrand. Uh, and then that was when the when the real start when the real work started. Um, my my uh, position in all that my, uh, my the work that I do is very is uh, is, is it's a bit difficult to explain uh, because there is so much to do. Basically, the idea was to take a group of, of of figure skating coaches and to turn their business into a, into a company. Um, that of course comes with a lot of, of uh, other work that has to be done off the ice, meaning administration, HR, marketing, PR, all these things that we have been trying and are, are, are building since 2019. Um, those are really the things that I oversee and that I do. Um, Yeah, I think that's, that's,
0: that's, (laughs) absolutely. Um, and so just to give a little bit more about your background, so you were a competitive skater and you retired after, um, 2010. And so I'm also always curious about how people who have that background then figure out what they want to do in the next part of their life. So how did that transition for you? Uh, go to find out that you enjoyed doing that side of the work.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one, <laughs> a little difficult one, maybe a long one. <laughs> you, you just stop me when, <laughs> when you have too much <laughs> information. <laughs> um, well, I think like, like every professional athlete, and especially in sports like figure skating and maybe gymnastics, where sometimes you reach the peak of your career quite early, meaning when you're quite young, um, it wasn't easy. I was 23 at the time when I quit. I uh, had a little bit of uh, of uh, physical um, challenges, you know, the usual ankle back, um, those things. And at the same time, I just realized that I would probably not place any higher at Europeans and Worlds and Olympics than I already had. So I decided to quit. I um, did that really in the summer of 29. Uh, I already... I, decided that that was going to be my last season, even though we had European championships in my hometown, in my rink where I had started to skate and practiced all my life in Bern in 2011. But I just felt I, I couldn't do that anymore, um, which yeah, not everyone agreed. But in the end of the day, it was my decision to take, and I'm happy about it today. Um, but I was probably, like everyone, quite scared of that moment or at least i i had a lot of respect of the moment when i would step off the ice knowing that this was that this was my last time to compete or train um which it really was when i stepped off the ice after 2010 world championships after the free program that that was it i had uh decided and prepared, tried to prepare for that moment, which you can do as much as you want. It's never the way you expect it to be. But I did um, put things in place. I had, a, I got a job offer in Malaysia. I uh, went to Southeast Asia to be the national ice skating coach of Malaysia in summer 2010. I knew I wanted to leave Switzerland. It was too cold. <laughs> 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 well, I live in Montreal now, but that's a
0: I know I'm laughing at that because Montreal is, uh, is at its own extremes of temperature.
1: Exactly. Well, that's a that's a whole different story. We'll we'll get to that maybe uh, in a bit. Um, but anyway, I moved to Malaysia. Uh, wanted to, didn't really. It wasn't my dream to become a coach, but as it is with a lot of of skaters as well, you know, coaching is really the the first option and probably the best option that you have when you were a competitive skater um and and you know quit your career without having without knowing how you're going to basically support yourself after that so i decided to you know travel the world go coaching i knew i wanted to do a, i wanted to go to university so i signed up for a degree um, in international business, because I really didn't know what I was going to what I was going to do. I um, I always knew that I wanted to work in sports and in in uh, in figure skating specifically. But at the time, I was really figuring out in which capacity. Because I just quit my competitive career. I didn't want to be a coach. And uh, yeah, 23. That's all I knew. So I did that. Um, I also knew that I wanted to gain some corporate uh, experience because I thought, you know, I wanted to go, I wanted to somehow combine business and, and, uh, and my passion for figure skating. Um, it then so happened through life. I was, I, was, uh, so I was in Malaysia. I was going to university. I was also modeling at the time. And that's where I actually met my uh, then-future then boss. Um, he was uh, the chief commercial officer at uh, Malaysia Airlines for whom I did a campaign for their new business class seat, whatever, we met, he was Canadian, I told him I was gonna, meet, I was gonna um, move to Canada and uh, we got along super well. I then started to work for him um, in his uh, small travel industry consultancy business um i worked at um the headquarter of the Radisson hotel group then of a small airline here in in Canada um before i really realized this is all great and it was great for me to get this experience but it's not where my where my heart and my my passion lies so i kind of um yeah didn't actually actively try to find a way back to back to my roots, back to figure skating. But as I explained earlier, that was really the time when I was talking to to my good friend. His name is Charles um, uh, and Roman, and then we came up with this idea of the Ice Academy of Montreal. And then it was basically it was very clear what I was gonna do
0: yeah no that's great, and that's so interesting. I think that you were able to take all of those experiences and different pieces of what you were learning along the way and bring them into this work now. when you were thinking about I am and how that was going to be, what were some of the goals why you know why brand it as a as um, the academy in that way. I think it really is distinct in a lot of ways from how many other, um, skating schools are set up and the, um, profile that it has in the skating world. And so, you know, walk me a little bit through, um, that, that vision and why you wanted to go in that direction.
1: Of course. Um, this, this whole thing really started because I knew, uh, you know i I've, i i I've, I've lived through or with roman through his um, coaching career as well and of course i got to know mm-hmm. marie france and patrice very well as uh, as well um and it was very clear to me that they had something special going on um it was really the the the, the, the whole rebranding and this 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 um idea of creating this company um came from a lot of discussions and talks that we had with them uh, and I listened to to what was important to them when they were coaching and this is really this is really a side of all the medals that they're winning I know it's for me also it's very impressive (laughs) what they do on the ice but that is really that is not the part that I'm involved with at all. And I honestly don't wanna be. I love it to watch these these skaters. I love to watch the, the practice because it's just it's a it's a really great place. Um but I'm I, I'm speaking about the part really uh that is off the ice. Uh, because I realized that Marie-France Patrice and Roman for them it was also it was very, very important to not only, you know create athletes that are successful on the ice, but really um, that uh, skaters, athletes, adults that will be, on, are successful in their lives. Um, I know this is something that a lot of people talk about now, this, uh, you know, the, the holistic development of the human being also in sports, but that is really what it was. That was really the idea. And that was the, the, the ideology that they had. and, I saw uh, myself how it worked because I have never been in a school before, and I, as a skater, I was in Europe. I trained in the States a lot. I trained in Russia. Uh, I have never seen anything like it, and I've never seen a response of the athletes to their coaches um, in a way that I see it here in Montreal. And that really was was what made me thinking. Well, usually when we have these big, big coaches' names, um, you know, they're here for a decade, two, or even three or four. Uh, They create uh, great skaters, and then, you know, then they retire, and then they vanish. Uh, The idea for us was really to create an environment and an, an ecosystem that allows the skaters to see beyond their, their competitive career. Because we know, like, we, we, we have been through this. We know that, of course, when you're young, when you skate, there's one thing that you want, which is being successful on the ice, win as many medals as you can, and then probably, you know, do shows, earn money. But you don't really think about what's happening after. Um, but your life after your competitive career, even when you quit when you're 30 or 35, your life after that is pretty long. Um, and we wanted to create an environment where uh, skaters could already see, uh, were enabled to see beyond their competitive career and maybe think about, not not actively think about what they wanted to do, but at least create an environment and uh, a, a place where they could see that there was a space for them. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that we, you know, it's not like we create work for all our skaters. That's not the idea. But um, by creating a company like this, knowing that it is important that the, the the coaches that that work for us have the same attitude, the same vision that we have, well, obviously, who are the best candidates are the skaters, Um that, have, that went through the school, that went through the academy and that have been uh, training under uh, those founding coaches. Um, that was, I would say, like the main idea in the beginning um, that we wanted to create or give the athletes the tools to um, not only win medals, but be successful in their lives and create opportunities for them uh, once they, you know, once they quit, which doesn't only have to be as coaches. So far, we did hire uh, our former skaters as coaches. But, uh, you know, if if we are successful in um, implementing the vision that we had in the beginning, then there will be much more opportunities for our skaters as well.
0: Yes um and that's it's so interesting being able to see that happen like you said very obviously with the um I am in Toronto and seeing the skaters going straight into being um high level coaches in that way but beyond that piece um it's also interesting to see what opportunities um in shows and in other parts of skating, but also outside of skating that um, you've been able to help them have. And so um, I know the work that you do goes beyond that of a traditional agent. um, But I would love if you could talk a little bit about how um, you look for opportunities for skaters and how um, that side of your work fits into the school.
1: So, yes, I, I know you're, you're, you're talking about Marquis International Arts. That is really a, a, a separate company that we have launched at the same time that we did uh, with the Ice Academy of Montreal. Because in the uh, the, the, the initial vision, the initial dream uh, was really to, uh, you know, create something that is holistic, really holistic, meaning that we can basically take care of almost all uh, the needs that our our athletes have. Um, At the time, we realized that, you know, there are the the traditional agencies that we all know in in figure skating and in sports. Those are um, some of them very big agencies, uh, full-service agencies uh, that um, also... um, Produce their own shows, but they're very big machineries where we I'd say that probably the the, the personal relationship with the talent themselves is maybe uh, not the the focal point. We for us what we wanted to do is really create this agency, a part of the Ice Academy of Montreal, a part of the coaching. Um, Part of the company uh, that would allow us to do certain things that probably a, a traditional skating school or a, a training center couldn't or wouldn't do or would um, uh, or, or would find themselves in in, in situations that are not are not that easy to to navigate um, so we created this agency at the same time uh, marquee international arts which is basically. Um, Really, my former boss who is involved there and and myself. uh, Of course, we do uh, share some services with the Ice Academy of Montreal because it just uh, makes sense. Um, And the idea was really to be able to support skaters who may not fit with any of the traditional agencies for whatever reason, be it they are not at that level yet that they would get a contract with a big agency, or because they are just not happy with, with a big agency, um, whatever the reason may be, we wanted to give them the opportunity to uh, be supported in that aspect as well. Um, also, of course, because we were, we believed, and I guess we, we knew that we have the capacity and the, the, uh, the, 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 the know-how and the business acumen to do so. Um, in the end of the day, today the 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 there i guess there are two parts to marquee international arts the one is really mm-hmm. the representing of the talent themselves which we do mostly for figure skating shows because that is 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 still uh, the 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 biggest chunk of work they get of course we um you know we we try to get them opportunities outside it's something that is not uh very easy as you can imagine many reasons we can talk about that too because it's figure skating figure skating is a special sport Um, also because we are based here in montreal we work with a lot of international skaters and it is not always easy to um, from that perspective to represent athletes when you are not in their country for obvious reasons because in figure skating uh, the the, the skaters represent their country they don't represent the club they don't represent the ice academy of montreal they represent their own country so from a sponsor's perspective mostly um those opportunities would arise in their own country um the other the other part that is really one that we probably didn't Think so much about in the beginning, but that we realized is uh, really an opportunity is um, the, the the market of figure skating shows or other figure skating gigs uh, in our region, meaning in Montreal. Um, Canada is a country that where figure skating is uh, is a, 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 a people's sport. Everyone skates. It's cold. We have ice. <laughs> it does uh, make sense. And uh, Montreal is a city where we have during the winter we have a lot of um, outdoor skating rinks, a lot of activities that are going on, um, and uh, of course there 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 is a demand for for skaters for shows, and uh, in a lot of cases they would actually um, contact the ice academy of Montreal, but mm-hmm. as a coaching as a coaching entity as a as a an academy they we don't have the resources to do that so that's why uh, Marquis international arts then takes care of that which of course um, creates a lot of you know great synergies um, logistical uh, uh, issues are a lot easier just because when you know if I get a, if I get an a, a, a request for I don't know three ice dance couples mm-hmm. to do a show in a, in a rink in Montreal um, usually that's very complicated because the, the the skaters they have their training which is very individualized uh, personalized everyone skates at a different time basically um, mm-hmm. and their lives and 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 then there has to be rehearsals for that show and their show dates and everything but the fact that I'm already inside. Like I know when they train. I know their schedules. I know their annual planning. Uh, It is a lot easier for Marquee International Arts to make things like this happen. And uh, these are are definitely opportunities for the skaters that they uh, appreciate a lot too and that can uh, generate some additional income for them. Um, And uh, those are really the two things that I do... Um, in my capacity as the director of Marquee International Arts.
0: That's so helpful to understand that. And also very interesting what you were saying about the challenges of working with so many international teams. And that's something that I had wondered as, I mean, I can see obviously many advantages to how am has grown and has now so many teams from so many countries, but that must also add a level of complexity to figuring out what the right opportunities are for each of those teams and each of those skaters and how to, um, you know, to approach so many different um, skating nations and um, business environments and all of those things. Um, How have you adjusted to that sort of complexity of, Having so many skaters that are a part of the school
1: so again there are two there are two perspectives to that right there's the ice Academy of Montreal and then there is Marquis international arts as a, as an agent, I have taken uh, quite a, a, a passive role in a way that we don't want to you know uh, uh, we, we, I, we, I, we don't actively go out to contract skaters because in the end of the mm-hmm. day. That even though this is the core business of Marquee International Arts, Marquis International Arts is still a part of the Ice Academy of Montreal. Meaning, our core business is still coaching. What we want to do, I mean, coaching, coaching as the core product. We have a, a, an augmented product. So to say that it that in, entails a lot more than just coaching. One of uh, one of those things would be the possibility. Uh, to be managed and represented by Marquis International Arts. But this is not something that we do actively, um, but more in a passive way where we, if we feel that there is a a couple that is either in need or is looking for for support from that point of view, then of course we we present that. I, I probably have to say to that, that as, as I mentioned already, you know, the, the figure skating world is a very small one. Figure skating shows are limited, even though there are the small shows here in Montreal, there are the shows in the desert of Dubai, you know, there, there is all this, but traditional big figure skating shows, there is not, there is not a million, right? So, um, I representing athletes uh, to negotiate their rates to go through their, their contracts with the shows. That is something that we can do without a problem. When, uh, there is, uh, you know, when it comes to sponsorship deals and all that, that is where it becomes really tricky because we are, we are based here in Montreal and our, our, even though our network really is global, but you need a very close, um, relationship and also uh, uh yeah you really need to be in the market to be able to um create those opportunities for for athletes so we mostly um work with the skaters on the figure skating shows and then work with their respective agencies in their country if they have one for uh, for sponsorships and and those uh those opportunities
0: yeah, I see. Um, thinking about Ice Dancers in particular, it seems like there is um, an increasing market in some ways for um, for Ice Dancers to be part of shows in places like Japan and seeing that there's some interest, but it also is a part of the sport that is um, maybe a little less prominent in the minds of the public in a lot of places. And when thinking about, then again, this is sort of a a, a one half in terms of of shows and another half in terms of other kinds of sponsorships, but it does seem like there are some particular challenges in finding um, opportunities for two people as opposed to for one person. And that's something, you know, I was thinking about this during the last Olympics that, for example, that um, Madison Chalk got um, her own um, spotlight in some um, ads during the Olympic cycle, um, but then seeing where there are opportunities for a team versus for individual skaters. And I'm going to, to speak a little bit about that um, in terms of ice dance in particular and the uh, challenges that are involved.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a broad one too.
0: <laughs> yeah. um,
1: let me let me start um, by so if we just look at at figure skating, uh, I I I was a single skater, um, I and I'm going to very honestly uh, out myself here as someone one of these classic figure skaters, single skaters who did not care about ice dance nor pair skating while I was an athlete? Because, you know, for me, it was just, there is um, men's, ladies, and that was the most important, I admit. Um, I think that is something that is very prominent in our sport. The big stars are the single skaters. Um, we can debate about the reason. Um, I... Um, You know, when it comes to to shows in in, in Japan, for instance, we know that the big stars in in Japan are also single skaters because those are the most successful skaters in in, in that country and in other uh, Asian countries. Um, Ice dance comes with those two, I think, um, disadvantages. One is it's not as popular as single skating because the stars are you know they're they they're, they're the, the stars are today still those who do quads. <laughs> it just yeah. is it is what it is what it is. Um plus there's always two meaning if you um you know if you invite uh, an Ice Dance couple to a show uh, you pay double the expenses. You have to pay twice the flight, you have to pay two rooms, and also from a you know from a fee perspective the the fees of an ice dance couple is never double that of a of a of a single skater even the, the even the prize money of a of, of an ice dance couple isn't double that of a figure skater of a I mean of a single skater of course obviously also because they together kind of deliver the same product that a single skater does right they deliver one program or two programs and they win one. Championship or one medal. It's the same medal, but it's two people. It's 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 between the team sport and the single sport, but it's really an individual sport. But I think those are definitely the two uh, the the two disadvantages that come with ice dance. I have grown to really really love this sport uh, for several reasons. Obviously because I'm involved now, but also because I uh, really have uh, discovered the beauty in ice dance, which now when I look at single programs, sometimes I feel like, oh my God, they're not doing anything but jumping and, and yeah. doing crossovers. <laughs> Although I remember my time as a skater very well. Yes, it was about the jumps mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, other things were not that important. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think th- those are really the, the, the challenges that we, that, that we have working in ice dance. Mm-hmm. I, of course, something that we, what has come to our advantage now is that we almost have half of the world's best ice dancers here, which gives us a little bit of a monopoly when it comes to that. But um, that is really that, that again is 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 basically something else. That's just talking about the market share in a market that is relatively small that we have, but. One of our missions is definitely also to, um, you know, make the sport of ice dance, the disciplines of ice dance more attractive. I think uh, a, a big chunk of that work is being done on the ice. And, that's, and I'm really talking mm-hmm. about, you know, the, 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 the way uh, the Ice Academy of Montreal works with the skaters, the way we... Great choreographies, the the uh, really the the, the the quality of ice dance itself. That is something that has a very big priori- high priority for us. Even though, yeah, sometimes it may look like, you know, we have grown we have grown to a to a size that is is. Uh, where people sometimes start to think, okay, all they want is grow and 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 make money and uh, and just count the skaters and coaches they have in their academy, but that's really not it. I mean, top top priority at IEM is still to create the best, the the most magical ice dance that we can, and that's what we what we what we try to do. Hopefully, successful, uh, with the goal, of course, to to make more people discover how beautiful ice dance is and how enjoyable it is uh, being watched during the show
0: yeah and the you know the flip side of the strength of ice dance is that the skaters are all um, strong performers they have, a good sense of what it, you know, what it is to appeal to the crowd. They're all um, great at the artistic side of the sport, and so you know, in terms of entertaining an audience or any of those things, they're um, they have a leg up in that way. Um, so that if we can see that as a as a strength.
1: Yes. Yeah. Totally. And that is that is not only so. There is that, of course, that ice dancers, because they don't do the jumps and all uh, those things that require such a high percentage of their time, Um, they have all this time to invest into the artistry, the expression and telling the story. They have the advantage of being two, you know. Uh, In the end, you have uh, so much more than, than... twice as many opportunities and possibilities to do things when you have four arms and four legs and two bodies that you can work with. Um, There is all that. And there is a a difference that I also, I didn't realize before is really that the average age of an ice dancer is higher than of a single skater when they are at the peak of their career and when they quit. Um, Which for us, not only has this this it it brings with it not only the fact that they are more mature, they are more expressive, they are more, um, they they well they're more suited to be ice dancers, <laughs> um, but also they are in a in a different uh, not in a different period, but their their competitive career extends into a different period of their lives, which is why we. Which is why we can do a lot of the things that we are we 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 are doing, and and why we 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 want to do that. Um, Sometimes, you know, we we also we're also um, thinking about going into single skating, going into pair skating, um, but. they are different sports. I think we have we have to, we can really say that ice dance is very different from the other from the other disciplines, and the the fact that the skaters are older in general mm-hmm. uh, makes makes a big difference from a, from a career planning and and and. And I mean, competitive career and also post career, career planning, it, it makes a big difference and, and, and opens up uh, a lot of uh, other opportunities.
0: Yeah. And just that they, as clients, are people who are, you know, adults making some of their own decisions about their careers in a way that I think so many of the single skaters are, you know, they're still teenagers, their parents may be the ones who are involved in that, or they just don't have the, you know, the life experience to necessarily want to direct their own, um, their own careers in as strong a way, I would think.
1: Exactly. I mean, that is, that is something that is very important for us. We, uh, Really at the age of 18, we try to, um, mostly communicate with the, uh, with the athletes, if not exclusively, we believe that it, that is really the time when, uh, and of course it's not at their 18th birthday. Not everyone is the same. It also depends on what, what subjects we're talking about, but, um, we really try to, uh, you know, make the athlete responsible for their own lives, uh, uh, that is something that is important for us, not only in in the work on the ice, but also off the ice. When it comes to, you know, what do they want in the future? How do they handle their 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 season planning? To realize when they need uh, when they need a day off, or when they need to go on vacation, or to handle their bills, or to we then also have other other. Um, uh um challenges here of course because we have a lot of foreigners so there's the whole you know the whole it, the whole life basically that they need to yeah. take responsibility for and 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 be the be their own boss
0: yes yes well and then that like you said that prepares them to their post competitive careers as well to be responsible and understanding of all of those pieces
1: and that's that's exactly our goal that is exactly what we are what we are trying to achieve because again as 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 I said, yes, medals are great, and we wish everyone wins all the medals that they uh, would like to. But first of all, the number of medals is very limited, so um, not everyone gets to win everything, but everyone gets to live uh, uh, a life after uh, their competitive figure skating career, which is, as I said, which is, in a lot of cases, longer than their uh, competitive figure skating career. So um, it is very important for us to prepare them um, in, in any way we can for their future after skating.
0: Yes. And speaking of medals, how much um, do opportunities depend on, you know, being able to say, oh, you're the European champion or, oh, you have, you know, these medals next to, you know, next to your name? Um, It seems like in some cases that's very determinative, but um, that there are some opportunities for skaters that are able to, um, you know, market themselves as particularly unique performers or have um, other sort of unique stories that they're able to tell. Um, yeah. How do you approach it with with a skater that maybe doesn't have um, a long list of medals next to their name?
1: Yes, of course. I mean, when it comes to certain shows and and the 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 public image in general gold medals help a lot um, a lot a lot <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. honestly
1: speaking already silver and bronze medals help less and even though mm-hmm. the fourth place could be just uh, you know very very close to the third place the fourth place is is is, is less helpful Definitely. That's just that's that's the way it is. I think that's a it's a it's a human tradition and um, a, a very long-standing one. Uh, it depends on what you are talking about. If you are talking about those, you know, um, traditional figure skating shows, of course, they want all the champions, uh, which is very normal. Um, it's also what a fan, of course, can. Uh, understand very easily a gold medal is very easy to understand they are the best <laughs> um mm-hmm. so it sells um so for shows i would say there's there's that of course and then if you are a very you know if you're a unique uh, a special performer of course you get you get the opportunity during um uh, competitions, uh, be it uh, grand prix or also then the championships, uh, you do get the the opportunity to show yourself as a as a as a showman or a showwoman, um, even without medals. And that is something that is definitely being picked up. We, there are quite a few examples of skaters who have never won any big medals who did go into shows very successfully. Um, but yes, that would require some kind of, of, of uniqueness that uh, not, not everyone has. Um, when it comes to opportunities outside of skating, um, we do see a shift a little bit today from, you know, there, there has been this traditional sponsorship model where you... Uh, basically take a very well-known person or a very successful athlete and that athlete becomes then the face of a brand, for instance. Um, We do see a shift a little bit away from that. And obviously, it does come with social media. As you know, uh, on social media today, we have influencers, we have people that have millions of followers and you've never... I mean, I'm not someone... I. Try not to spend too much time on social media. It's once in a while, I realize there's someone with I don't know five million followers, and it's just a regular person, it's someone who has never won anything. But for uh, from a brand perspective or from a company perspective, people like this influencers can be as effective as a, you know as an Olympic champion, or sometimes even more effective. So. I would say there is definitely a shift away from you can only you can only uh, make anything out of out of your your career. If you won medals, you can definitely do that uh, in, in a different way. But you also have a different set of competitors. You know, you then are competing against those. Instagrammers and tiktokers that are dedicating their lives <laughs> to do that and that's a whole that's a whole different set of 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 competitors that you're up against and that is not everyone's cup of tea either so i think what is the most important part and again for us and that's the that's the the I think the opportunity, but also the duty that we have, or that we that we gave ourselves at the Ice Academy of Montreal and also at Marquis International Arts, is really that we are we don't want to just make everyone famous or make everyone make as much money as possible. If if that's maybe not what they want, or if the way to get there doesn't really match their personality or, or their or or their dreams, so that doesn't you know it's not an it's not an obligation i think what we are trying to do is really to show those opportunities and 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 and, and show them what is possible and and uh, what is most suitable for them although that is a question that then they have to they have to answer themselves
0: yes yes no that that makes a lot of sense um and yeah, I had an interesting conversation early on with the podcast with um May Bernice Mete about um how she had to learn how to do um trying to become an influencer and you know trying to have that kind of it's following so as a way to keep life. her career. Yeah. Who was that? Uh May Bernice, um, the French single skater.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, as as an example of someone who has a kind of unique story and personality, and got a lot of um, followers on Instagram, um, but has n- not had that kind of competitive success. Um, she really leaned into building that following and trying to make brand collaborations on it, uh, through that, and you know other for- ways to try to support her career. Um, and it was, an, it was an interesting conversation, precisely you know because. It's a huge workload to do that um and the um the demands of um of keeping that up um while training as well so
1: yeah exactly exactly, exactly. i mean my is a is a, is a great example of someone who you know did not win all these medals or, or yet but who has um, seized the opportunity of 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 uh, uh you know, having an impact on a, on a, on a different level, um, realizing the story that she has to tell and, uh, and, and making the best of it. She's a, she's a great example of that. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, so the Olympic year, um, I was going to say is coming up. I know we're halfway through the cycle, but it always feels like it's coming up. Um, and I was thinking about the opportunities that come, in particular, with that, both in terms of the sort of marketing through nationalism, or you know that kind of uh, approach that um, we often see that with um, each country might pay um, more attention to the sport than they would in another year, and businesses in a particular country might, and there are lots more opportunities around that. Um, I was also curious about the, um, TV show that you did during, or that I am did during the last, um, Olympic cycle on the Olympic channel, following many of the skaters. And, um, I was curious if there's anything you could share about what that was like.
1: Um, yeah. So to your first point, Olympic cycles, obviously we're, we're an Olympic sport. We work in Olympic cycles, um, the, the the launch of the Ice Academy of Montreal wasn't uh, wasn't a coincidence either. It was really, um, you know, after the 2018 Olympics where we uh, were Tessa and Scott won gold and Gabi and Guillaume won silver. Um, that was really when we thought, okay, now we have to do something so we are ready for the next Olympics because you really only have you really only have two years in between. I I mean, it's four years, but there is one that is really the post-Olympic year, and then you have two years where you can really work, and then you already have the pre-Olympic year, and then, you know, uh, (laughs) it it just goes very fast. So, uh, of course, that's what we were thinking when we launched the Academy of Montreal in 2019. It was really to uh, kind of seize the opportunity and, and, and... and everything we could uh, during the 2022 Olympics. And um, we are now, uh, yes, as you, as you say, basically halfway uh, through the cycle and um, are definitely already ramping up for for the next. The one thing that, uh, and uh, I'm going to be very honest, uh, this uh, yeah. to me, this is a little bit like the first one, just because... We had COVID. <laughs> it kind of changed everything a bit, yeah. I mean, when I started or when, when when I when I started with the ICE Academy of Montreal, I had very, very different ideas of what I wanted to do for the twenty twenty-two Olympic Games and the whole time leading up to there. I would say probably eighty percent of my time during those three years. Was invested into COVID protocols, trying to figure out how we can train, where we can train, under which circumstances we can train, um, who can travel where, making sure that. And I mean, this was huge. We had um, we had eleven couples, meaning twenty two athletes and six coaches that we sent to the Olympic Games, who were all training in the same. Um, in the same complex every day. So we knew that if, if anything happened, if anything happened, and we all know what the, you know, it was basically impossible to get to China at the time, um, even if you had COVID two months before. So if anyone got positive, we knew that almost, you know, half half of the ice dance event wouldn't be there um so the pressure was very very high and that was really for one or two years that was really all i did basically yes. so i am i am very much looking forward to or i was looking forward to this cycle and we have to, we have been doing great work and i'm very much looking forward to the next olympics and i um i definitely want to uh, be able to exactly make you know uh Make the f- basically seize every opportunity we can, not only for I am, but also for our skaters, for the skaters that we represent at Marquee International Arts, because it feels like the first, the first really uh, real opportunity. Um, of course, there are what well, during the Olympics. It's always a little bit of phase bec- because. We and uh, and when I so from the perspective of the Ice Academy of Montreal and also more international arts, we work very closely with the with the um, with all the national figure skating associations, of course. And as you know, during Olympics, there is always this other entity or those two other entities that kind of take over, which are the National Olympic Committees as well as the International Olympic Committee. That. Um, it doesn't take over, but there is just always that part that that you have to work with. Um, And so that nationalism that you were were referring to, that is kind of a little bit omnipresent in figure skating, because as I said, you know, skaters always represent their country, but it just is that much stronger during the Olympics. So there are skaters that have to spend more time in their home country, be it for, you know, for any number of things Um, there is always of course more media that is in our rink during that time and uh, as you can imagine we have skaters from i don't i didn't count lately probably from 13 different countries a lot of them are national champions and are supposed to uh, go to the olympics so we do have a lot of media in the rink um during the olympic season and um you know it helps it is also a challenge for us for, from a from a, an operating standpoint because you know we we want to make sure and again our number one priority is training meaning the skaters want to get their medals they don't want to primarily give interviews but it's part of the it's part of that it's part of the game of course um so uh, yes, there 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 are a lot of opportunities that are going to come, and I, I, I as I said, for me, it's kind of the first time <laughs> if we don't count yes. the the pre-COVID time. So we are uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, I can't tell you too much about it now. It's you know it's a lot of ideas, a lot of exciting stuff, but uh, I guess we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, regarding uh, on edge, which was the um, which was the, the series that the, the Olympic Channel uh, did here in Montreal, that was really, um, uh, that was the Olympic Channel who uh, contacted the Ice Academy of Montreal because they wanted to come in and, and do that series, which was a whole challenge by itself because um, for, for a number of reasons. First of all, it was still... Post or during COVID, yeah, it was before the Olympics. Yeah. Um, uh, that was that was a big challenge. Not only because I mean, you know, the the whole film industry and they had they already had very uh, uh, very strict policies and rules in place. But in the end of the day, for them like for people who work in, in in that industry for you know the director and the and the cameraman and, and and everyone for them it's still what they work on is still their most important thing right it's their job and we had to make it very clear that for us that's not it you know even though we are on yeah. the set for us it's training and making sure that our skaters are prepared Two hundred percent for 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 these games. For some of them and for all of them, it's it's one of the most important things in their lives, and we cannot um, jeopardize that with you know by by shooting a, 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 a documentary series, which w- it was a great opportunity for us, you know, to show and for the skaters to showcase uh, to showcase them to um, tell their stories. But it, it, it was, a, it was a, a challenge from from that kind of perspective of COVID protocols and also setting the priorities right. Um, we then, because again, uh, I would say, especially during that time, no skating school, or it, it, it would have been difficult for a skating school to handle that project, so we kind of outsourced that, well, Outsourced, saying <laughs> um, because um, Marquee International Arts is not exactly outsourced, but still, it, it was uh, we put it into that uh, um, bucket because we needed it handled by an an uh, uh, an outside um, entity. So what what we basically did from like from a marquee international arts perspective is we really handled all the logistics, meaning we were communicating with the, with the team, with the, with the Olympic channel. We made sure, and that was the biggest part, of course, we made sure that um, while the team got what they needed, um, the skaters were the, the, the least impacted possible. That's basically that. That was our work, which was um, very challenging, especially also because they came to competitions, and then there's a sit-down interview there, and then of course they want to go home to everyone and all these things. Which was, I mean, the show was great. I think it was uh, was really fantastic, but um, it, it needed it needed quite close um, supervision, let's say. Uh, Just because you have these very different people from very different, uh, um, uh, you know, work uh, settings with very different priorities that would clash and clash during months um, just before Olympic Games. So, um, yeah, I mean... That was a bit what I did. Uh, it, it was it was not easy, <laughs> but I think we succeeded. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they do it again. Who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it was really interesting to be able to see more of the story of the skaters as individuals and the relationships between both sort of within the teams and among the teams, and um, hopefully for um, people outside of the um sort of skating super fans that might read the all the interviews and know more about these things to be able to see um more about that side of the athletes as people um and how things work at IM. Um, so I was glad to see that happen and um am interested in ho- other ways to try to um you know expand awareness of skating and of skaters beyond um, maybe a sort of an image of what the sport is and who the people are that f- often feels, at least in the United States, very s- stuck in the 1990s. And so being able to see more of those stories, I think, was great. Um, you know, we've been talking about what opportunities exist for, for skaters and for dance teams, um, thinking about marketing the sport of figure skating as a whole and um, trying to grow an audience uh, for it. Um, that's a huge question, obviously, but I'm curious what your thoughts are about what some of the opportunities might be, what some of the challenges are. Um, obviously, it's a small world and we want it to be a bigger world or a bigger part of the sports and entertainment world and yeah, what do you think some of the opportunities for that might be in the future?
1: Um, now, I, I don't want to sound negative, <laughs> but I will still start with the challenges. I think because sure. I, I, I'm I, I'm someone I I love figure skating. For me, it's my it's it's the most beautiful sport in the world, and especially to I think for one to do, but also to watch. Um, and I'm just grateful that figure skating exists. That said, um, it, is a, it is a very, it is a, sh- a special sport for, for I would say, two reasons. One is, it's, um, and figure skating actually in German, now my mother tongue is German, in German figure skating is Eiskunstlaufen. And Eiskunstlaufen has the word Kunst, in it, which means art. So in the German word of figure skating, you have art. And it's really, it is an art. Now, I know this is a discussion, that, or this is something that a billion people have said, but it's important to just uh, uh, underline again. It is not just a sport, meaning it's not just as fast, uh, you know, the, the goal is not just to be as fast and as strong and as, as high as possible, uh it is an art, and which comes with the issue of the judging. Huge, yes. huge theme. I, we're not gonna get into that. I'm not someone like I think there is. Um, there are a lot of people who are uh, uh, breaking their brains over the figure skating judging system. I'm sure it has. <laughs> I'm sure it has room for uh, for uh, improvement. I want to let that, uh, you know, I want to let those people do do their work. Um, but it, it will always be a problem, I think, because it's a sport that cannot be subjectively measured full stop. That's yeah. it. End of the story. There are other sports like this, like, you know, gymnastics, rhythmic gymnastics. Um, that is definitely something that makes it less maybe not maybe less appealing but uh, less uh, it is more difficult for people to understand and to identify with um because yeah. when you go and see uh, when you go to you know like for me it's like it's a it's a performing art for me figure skating is a performing art that happens to be also be olympic which is pretty unique i mean it just doesn't exist uh when people buy tickets to go and see a, 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 you know, a dance show or a ballet recital, they know they're doing something cultural, and and uh, and there is a very broad public for that. Figure skating is it's still it's a sport, so it comes with all this competitiveness, where we want to win medals. So it comes with the negative things that, you know, have happened recently in sport, be it abuse, be it doping, uh, all these things don't help uh, the, the, the image of this still performing art, which is, um, you, you you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's,
0: uh, it's sort of caught in between those two worlds with things that make it hard to appeal to either of them in some ways.
1: It's it, Sometimes I feel like Figure skating doesn't have the advantages of both But it has a little bit The disadvantages of both Because the combination is just You know, I mean, I, again I, I don't want to be negative I, I, Figure skating is my life uh, Like probably everyone's Who will ever listen to this To me <laughs> right now um, But it, it, is, it is not a, It is not easy That is one thing And the other thing is that figure skating has a very high entry barrier, which is twofold, I think, which is the ice itself. We don't have, uh, you know, as many ice rinks as we do have soccer fields in the world. Um, And also the, the, the cost, the cost of coaching, which is also very different from a lot of other sports. I mean, I know that tennis is probably the same, but it's a lot of one-on-one individual um, coaching, which is a bit like uh, playing an instrument, you know? It's like you have... So that's... uh, It's expensive. It's not like soccer or football or baseball where you or handball or whatever you become a member of a club the fees are really minimal and you can of course then there is also a lot more players so in a way you could argue that competition is also higher but the 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 numbers and the the, the money the zeros in those other sports is something that for a figure skater is just unimaginable um and that is something that is going to be very, very difficult for us to overcome because we we're not going to change the climate. Well, climate change is all- it's an, an, again another topic, but it doesn't go in our favor um, as ice skaters. So, for me, those are the two very intrinsic things of figure skating that we're not. Gonna, I'm not going to change. Um, and that we have to work with. Um, and I don't think it's... Yes, there are disadvantages if you compare to other sports and if you compare to whatever other business opportunities or if you compare to the actual arts or... Um, but it is our sport and I think we have to accept that and we we have to make the best of it, uh, which I'm trying to do.
0: Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting what you were just saying. I yesterday um, was talking to a number of um, the different um, skaters and professional skaters and leaders of companies that are part of the contemporary skating movement and that are much more associated with that world of performing arts than the sports world. And um, was talking to the director of the Ice Lab, Leipzig, um, who was telling me all about the ways that they use artificial ice and bringing it into dance studios and into um, theaters and trying to um, bring skating outside of the rink environment. Um, and that was really fascinating. I think there are a lot of challenges that come with that, but trying to find ways to get around the, some of those kind of innate limitations of the need to have an ice rink and the need to have that um, those Uh, environments and the time involved in all of those pieces. And so um, it was interesting to hear a little bit about trying to push the boundaries of that part of it as an art form. But I very much uh, understand what you're saying about the, all of those challenges and for people who are used to thinking about watching sports as a competitive thing that is, usually much easier to understand why someone is going to win or lose than it is to understand skating. The, um, the barriers to entry as a fan to understand it as a sport um, are also high comparatively.
1: Yes, very. And, 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 and I, I probably, I, well, I'm just going to say... It's a, even a lot more difficult in ice dance. I mean, I still barely understand. And I, uh, I was a figure skater myself and I have been in ice dance for, for quite some time now. But ice dance is, is even more difficult, I think, because ice dance is probably on that spectrum between sport and arts. Ice dance is probably even closer uh, to the arts so that that makes it very difficult but i re- i love you know i love all the things that the things you just spoke about about uh you know trying to kind of uh bring that barrier down and try to think about innovative ways to to to, to take figure skating outside of the rink i think technolo- technologically we're not there yet i mean i've skated on 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 um, synthetic ice before it's not the same uh it's at least it's not the same to skate it may be already similar for uh, for uh an audience to look at but it's just still not the same you don't get the same speed you don't have the same um
0: uh, uh. the glide is very different yeah
1: you know i mean w- i think with and now i'm just you know starting to to think about what we, what we would want to do in the future of course i think it's uh those things are also um, the projects that we, as the Ice Academy of Montreal, would want to get into in the future. Uh, you know, again, we're a, we're, a, we're a startup company; we cannot do everything at the same time. Uh, but those are the things that we, you know that that make that make our hearts jump as well, because uh, that's that's uh, what's going to make the sport grow and what's going to help. Um, create new audiences and, and capture new, new markets. And that is, that is fantastic.
0: Yes, that is, um, you know, and I am an, I am an optimist, uh, by nature, though I try to be a realistic one. Um, so I'm often always looking for the, um, the things, the experiments that people are trying and what opportunities might exist in the future and all of those pieces. But, um, it's. I also am someone that tends to think the uh, that I, the reason I like skating is because of the art, and the competition just happens to come with that. Um, and so, for me, I resist learning the rules of ice dance uh, and just try to enjoy watching it. Which then means that sometimes I get very upset about the judging because I have no idea. Um, and so, it's funny that as somebody who watches so much skating and is very familiar with the rules in on as the singles and Pairs side, um, sometimes I enjoy watching Ice Dance more because I'm not stopping to analyze it. I'm just appreciating it and it's a, a different experience as a fan.
1: No, I, I, I totally understand and I think you're, you're not the only one. Uh, there's probably a lot of people, a lot of fans who have the same experience. It is... I, I don't know if it's... A really bad thing. I mean, you know, we're we're saying that it, it it is very much an art. The competition part just comes along. But as an athlete, I I don't think I would have started to skate if figure skating wasn't an Olympic sport. As a, as a, as a, as an athlete, I still think you know the Olympic Games is the is is the, is the thing. That's 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 also a big part of our sport. We are one of the. I mean, we're one of the oldest, I think the oldest sport in, in the history of Winter Olympics um, it's it's a very big part of the identity of figure skating is the competition and the fact that it is Olympic and it's still a very big motivator for young skaters, the competition and of course it's the, a different kind of competitor it's not the one that just head, like puts the hat down and runs as fast as he can, no it's 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 a, it's a competition in the arts and i think that's um it's it's beautiful but it comes with its set of challenges and and that is really something that uh, that, that there is not a lot of there is not a lot of, of of data that exists um on the figure skating fan on a on the same level as it exists for other fans i think that is something that in the future um you know could uh, could be or should be explored a little bit more because we just, we, we do have special fans, I would say, but we don't know them very well in a, in a, in a, in a certain way, I believe. And that is also something that um, with the perspective of growing figure skating, making it more popular um, is something that has to be explored more as well.
0: That's a really interesting point. And I had read a little bit, not about skating, but in the context of of team sports, that there's there is more attention being given to how fans are now much more fans of individual athletes and may follow that athlete from team to team throughout their career, as opposed to only being, you know, in a traditional way, sort of, you know, a fan of your home team and just following that team and that that there's a growth of that kind of fan. And so it does seem like if that, as that becomes true, that individual sports potentially have an advantage or have an opportunity um in that kind of a market. but. Um, it's it's an interesting question, and would love to know more about that if as any kind of research could happen yes,
1: definitely i mean you know uh, what what you're saying is 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 one possibility i I do believe we already we already have those i mean our fans are the ones that follow you know one individual or one couple and Honestly speaking, um, we as the Ice Academy of Montreal, we are trying to capture a little bit also the fans that are team fans. That's why we we also position the Ice Academy of Montreal as a team because we want to, we would like to make our sport more attractive to people, to fans who are, Team sports fans, we know that this comes with, um, or the reasons why they are fans are 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 are, 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 are it's a different set of reasons uh, to a certain extent, and there are there are certain um, attributes that we just don't have in our sport, which is really a team. Except, of course, there is there is synchronized skating, which is uh, which is there, but doesn't have the popularity today. Um, and we are trying to kind of unite some of the skaters together uh, in a team. But as you said, I th- I think we don't know enough about the figure skating fan, really. Um, and we don't know enough about how we could capture uh, new fans as well.
0: Yeah, one thing that I would love to see would be... Um... An extension of the team event, but not just in the context of national teams in the Olympics. But I think it would be so interesting to have a team event with um, mixed nationalities, but you would be able to fo- you know follow a team um, in that kind of um, in that kind of a way. And it might have to be something that would exist in a professional competition format rather than in a an ISU kind of, uh, context, but I look back at some of the things that were done in made for TV competitions in the nineties and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, I know that for myself as a fan, and I think many of the people that I talk to that kind of, um, that kind of approach would be really fun. People would enjoy it a lot, but would it also appeal to an audience outside of the, um, the existing fans. I'm always very surprised at how, um, so many of the people that I talk to, even, you know, skaters in the, the US, people who follow the sport, really just follow the Americans. And since that's not my experience, um, I'm, I always am surprised when I'm reminded of still how much people's idea of, um, of being a fan is about that level of nationalism. So there's, opportunities and challenges to each of those approaches
1: yes definitely but you know i also i i understand that because also as an athlete you when you represent your country at international competitions and at world championships and and at olympics you do in a certain way you do feel that that patriotism you know and you mm-hmm. i mean you're always you know representing Switzerland, blah, 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 representing USA. And that's what you hear every single time you go and, and, and present yourself and perform in front of, of uh, the world. So it does have that effect on, on us and it has the same, or I mean on, on the skaters and it has that same effect, I think, on 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 fans. Um, and it, it is understandable in a way because... You know, in the end of the day, that's also... That's how society is constructed today. That's how we live. We are divided into countries. <laughs> Again, something that's not going to change anytime soon. But I totally understand your point of, you know, it doesn't have to be that way when it comes to fandom. Um, and, yeah. and and that's definitely something that, you know, exploring other formats of of, of competition or even show is always is uh it, i think is great in the end of the day you always need you know you need the right people with the right uh resources and the right kind of influence to make something like this happen and um you know it happens at different times in different sports we uh, there are other team sports that have three by three now and uh, that is very successful uh, this is also something that you know took years and years to 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 develop and actually happen uh, we'll see how far it goes figure skating is a very traditional sport with a lot of traditional people in charge uh, and it, it would be interesting to know to which extent the fans love that or don't love that or you know um but i think there is a lot of uh, a lot of very interesting and, and fun stuff happening in our sport that will, uh, that will shape the sport in the future. And I'm very glad to be around to see that happen.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much, Well, This has been a great conversation and I really appreciate you sharing so much about your work. Is there anything that I didn't ask about or any closing thoughts that you would want to share?
1: Well, no, I thank you very much. It's, it's been great. Um, I did, uh, uh, I hope that uh, your listeners will, uh, <laughs> will understand what I was trying to say.
0: <laughs> Thanks again to Jamal for sharing his thoughts and experiences with us. As always, the episode transcript and more resources are linked in the show notes. You can follow Jamal's work at Ice Academy of Montreal and at Arts on Instagram. You can reach me with comments or suggestions for topics and people I should talk to by email at fsfuturepodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram and Twitter at futurefspodcast. We are now also on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed there too for video episodes. Special thanks go to Ivan Danilov for editing and technical assistance for this episode. If you appreciate the podcast, you can also support my work with the tip jar at futureoffigureskating.pinecast.co. Remember to subscribe and review the future of figure skating on whatever platform you use and share it with your friends.